Morning, everyone. I uh, I caught a cold. I blame the elders' meeting on Thursday night. I don't know which of the elders gave me the cold. I think it was Steve Archibald. Because he texted me this morning and said he was homesick with a cold. I'm like, I knew it. I knew it was him. I don't know. Maybe I gave him my cold, something. But I took the test. It's not COVID. We're all good. Um, so we will just uh, bear with my voice and uh, occasional drink of water I might need to take as we go this morning. <clears throat> Excellent. Um, we're concluding our series on prayer, kind of mini-series for four sermons on prayer, and um, I, I can't really do this particular message on how God answers prayer without opening uh, with my favorite answered prayer joke. The roofer working on a particularly steep roof one day and overhung a very long drop to the ground below. He's about halfway through the job and his foot slips and he fell and he's sliding very quickly towards the edge of the roof and he immediately prays being a man of faith. And he says, get me out of this, Lord, and I will serve you in any way you ask for the rest of my life. And almost instantly, as if by a miracle, he stops in the middle of his slide, still several feet from the edge. And the man looks up and he says, never mind that last prayer, Lord, it seems I'm caught on a nail. (laughs) Our missing the answers to prayer may not be that obvious, um, but I'm sure sometimes God wonders whether we notice that he's answering our prayers. And whether we take into account that the circumstances of our life are answers to our prayers, uh, prayed or even unprayed, but groaned by the Holy Spirit. Everybody loves that feeling, like this guy obviously loved, when prayer is answered, but we don't always realize it. We want answered prayer, God does answer prayer, but we don't always know when it's happening. And as we've been learning in this series, Jesus made the way for our prayers to be possible. He tore the veil between God and man, removed the barrier of sin. He's made our prayers powerful by giving up his spirit, which knows the mind of God and prays on our behalf. He's our one mediator between God and man. He's interceding as we come confidently into the throne room of God. Jesus modeled prayer for us. He taught his disciples and us how we should pray. And God answers prayers. In Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen, we are told. So now, to conclude, we want to ask ourselves, how should we expect God to answer our prayers? If all this has been done for us to be able to pray, then how do we expect God to answer our prayers? And as we'll soon see, God is actually always answering prayers every moment of every day, but we often miss the means by which he is answering those prayers. We, we think they're supposed to come from one direction, but they come from another direction. And they may seem very ordinary things, or they may seem extraordinary, but we don't see them because we're not looking for them. So as disciples who have learned how to pray humbly and faithfully in the Spirit and under the righteousness of Christ, we want to know what the Bible is teaching us about where and how to hear the answers to our prayers. Or to put it this way, if, if we're going to pray biblically and we've leaned into learning how to and modeling how to pray biblically, then we also need to learn how to listen biblically to the answers that God gives us to our prayer. And that will be fairly straightforward this morning. We're just going to look into the common means of God's grace and the common means by which God answers prayer. 
And the first one is, is that God answers prayer by his word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God from which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. See, 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 Paul is saying there that the Scripture, the Bible, when we read the Bible, you're not reading just the words of men. It is actually the words of God. This is God's general, common, um, global, universal answer to our questions. It's his instruction to us. It is the truth. It's the Word of God which is coming to us, and Paul says it effectively works in us. And so this Word of God which he's giving to us is at work in us. And so the first way that God answers our prayers when we are seeking his instruction, when we are seeking his direction, when we are seeking his will, the first answer is read the manual, right? Like if you're trying to figure out how the microwave works, read the manual. When you're trying to figure out the will of God and what he plans for your life, he's given you a manual. He's given you the word, and you should read it, and you will find answers in it. Deuteronomy 32, 47 says, For it is no empty word for you, but the very words of life. And it can be a common occurrence that we are praying to God for answers that he's actually already given to us by his word. The word of God is the clearest expression of his will and of his nature. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so as you are praying and as you're leaning into seeking the will of God and asking for answers, scripture is always a sure place to turn to to seek his answer, because he's answered a lot of questions that we might pray about already. Now, when I say that there are, that you turn to scripture for, for answers, I mean that in two ways. There's, there's two things that we do when we look at scripture, at least two things. And the first way, and the most common way that you're probably thinking of right now, is that it's possible to read scripture and call to mind scripture that speaks directly to your specific circumstances, whether it's in marriage or in work or in parenting or in relationships or whatever, the Word of God is full of truth and it's full of wisdom, and He has answers for you in there through His instruction and through the examples that are given by His people. It's, it's profitable for teaching us what we should be doing. If, if you're having issues in any particular area of your life, there is a part of the Bible that speaks to it, and so you should look to the answers there in those specific references. To find the answer to your prayer. And so use the scripture in that way. Please do. If you're seeking wisdom about finances, go and read the parables that Jesus talks about money. If you're seeking wisdom in relationships, maybe between uh, brothers or sisters, go and read the story of Joseph. You want to talk about family forgiveness, uh, Joseph has some instruction for us there. Use the scripture in that way. But there's a second way, though, in which it's true that the Word of God already provides answers to our prayers. And it's not as explicit as that. It's not as, you know, I need some advice or I need some wisdom in this area, so I'm going to, you know, turn to this psalm or this proverb. Instead, it's true in this way, that as disciples, as we become fluent in God's Word, as we study it daily, as we allow the Word of God to conform our minds and to transform our thoughts... 
we begin more closely to know the mind of God ourselves. To the point that as we pray and ask for God's wisdom, we discover that we already have it. Not necessarily by the letter of the word, although that's true. God will bring Bible verses to mind. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would bring to mind his instruction to the disciples. But beyond that, but by our having been conformed to and saturated with and are now sharing the mind of God, we now know what his answer will be to the things that we are praying because we are in alignment with him. The scripture has brought us into confirmation with the person and spirit of God and of Jesus Christ. And so the word of God in its holistic or its overall um, transforming of us is an answer to prayer because we then become able to answer prayers from our knowledge of God's character derived from the word. So, for example, we may be asking God what he would have us to do or how he would have us act in regards to sorting out a conflict at work or a dispute with someone in the community. And we already know the answer to that because we know that we are transformed by God and we know how God would have us turn away anger or deal with conflict from his word. And all of that means is that we are just transformed by the word of God and our transformation brings uh, the answers to us. John 17, 7 says, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Sanctify means like like transform them, change them from from being worldly to being holy. And, 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 And Jesus says to his disciples that it's the word of God that will transform us from that common or unholy into the holy. Uh, Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so Paul is saying that, that if, if by the word of God you're saturated in the nature and character and learning who God is and being transformed by that, then you will know the will of God. You, you don't even need a specific verse in reference because you will know the will of God. It sanctifies us, it renews us, it transforms us, it changes us to be more like God and more able to know his will. That's how scripture answers prayer. In both senses, the answers of scripture are true, both that you can turn to scripture and learn from it, specific examples and wisdom that God would have inform us about how to act, and secondly, in the idea that just be Bible-saturated people. As we are Bible-saturated people, the word of God transforms us to allow us to know the will of God, and therefore we have the answers to our prayer even as we are praying them. So the word that he has already given us is one of the normal means of God answering our prayer. So as you're praying and you're thinking, how is God going to answer this? Don't pray apart from the word of God. Prayer and the word of God go together. Because as you pray, the word of God will be informing your prayers, and as you pray, the word of God will be answering your prayers. That's the first common means of grace by which God answers our prayers. But secondly, God also answers, don't do that, do that. God also answers by his sovereign will and his action. One of the things we keep coming back to touch on with regard to God here at Lakeside is that he is a God who acts. God takes the initiative in our salvation. God takes the initiative in our redemption. He takes the initiative in our restoration. And prayer is no different. If we are looking for answers to prayer, we need to remember that God is not passively waiting 
in order to answer our prayers. He's not passively waiting in order to act in our life. Our God is constantly a God of action. He is moving towards us. He is accomplishing things in our life. Even before we think them or speak them or pray them, God is already in motion and acting. And so if we are looking for answers to prayer, we need to recognize that we are the ones that are normally catching up. By the time we get around to noticing something that is wrong and actually formulating some prayers about it and looking for God to answer that prayer, we have to realize we're behind already. God already knew, already expected the prayer, already has the answer in motion. And so if you're looking for the answer to your prayer, immediately when you're done praying is just start looking around to see how God is acting because he's probably already answering it. Romans 8.28 is where we get this from, very famous verse, comforting to all Christians. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And I'll just point out that it's no coincidence that the verse, that this verse follows this one. The verse right before says, and he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's what comes right before. When it, when it says that God intercedes and all, or sorry, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, right before that, Paul was talking about how that the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God because the Spirit knows what we want before we do because right before that verse, he says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So you see how Romans 8.28 is directly connected to prayer? When it says we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, who are called according to his purpose, that's the culmination when you read it backwards. You realize that's the culmination of of Paul saying that the Spirit is already interceding in our weakness, helping us pray. And because the Spirit knows what we need before we even know and how to pray for it in our prayers, the Spirit is praying for us because he has searched the heart and knows the will of God. And then that's how all things work together for good who are called according to his purposes. This this whole section is about prayer. It's about the fact that God is already at work answering prayers because the Spirit already knows what you need and is already praying for you before you even start to pray it. And sometimes it helps to see Paul's argument laid out backwards because we get so familiar with it going forward. But it's pretty clear when you work it out from end to beginning that everything's happening according to God's purpose because... The person is searching, doesn't know the mind of God, but the Spirit is interceding and interfering, we could say. The the Holy Spirit of God is sticking his nose in. The Holy Spirit of God is butting into your business according to God's will. He's butting into your prayers because we're not the brightest bulbs in terms of knowing what to pray. And when we get down on our hands and knees and we pray for ridiculous things sometimes that have nothing to do with making us holy or what God is accomplishing in our family or in the people around us or in our life. And so the Holy Spirit, God literally gives us the Holy Spirit to basically butt in and intercede and say, don't listen to that, listen to this, it's much better. And we thank God that he does that. And the reality of God answering our prayers on a continual basis through our circumstances is is usually something that we only notice in retrospect, right? When, when When we're sitting here right now today, often even in the moment of praying for things, like we might be praying for health or and we forget that God has kept us healthy for all these decades already, and we didn't even pray for it. Or we're praying and we're asking for provision, forgetting that God has been providing for our whole life, right up until that point that we started praying for provision. 
Or even more specifically, any Christian here at this moment can stop for a few seconds and just think back over the course of their life, whether it's by months or by years, and pretty easily we can come up with stories that we could give testimony of and tell other Christians and other people, you know, I saw the hand of God working in my life. Now, I didn't see it at the time, but when I look back, I see that God was doing things and organizing things and the circumstances of my life, and his hand was upon me. I wasn't praying. I wasn't asking for it. I didn't even know I was supposed to pray for it or ask for it. But I see in retrospect that he was answering prayers. I wasn't even praying. And so one of the things we understand in terms of the way God answers prayer is literally by the things that are happening in our life. When you come out of your prayer closet, when you you come out of prayer, just open your eyes. And look and see what God is doing and recognize the things that are happening in your life are all happening according to the sovereign will of God, and they are answers to prayer. This is how great God is, that no matter how bad the circumstances are, no matter what this fallen world throws at us, no matter how badly our sin messes up our own lives or others, no matter how misguided our prayers are, God is an unstoppable force of redemption. Everything in your life is being redeemed for your good and his glory. We can delay his blessing. We can mess up relationships. We can put ourselves under his discipline until we learn obedience. But you cannot escape the will of God sovereignly working in your life for your good. If you love God. Because for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And God is relentlessly redeeming your life and answering your prayers. God ultimately never stops answering prayer, not even for a minute. So if you want to know what God's answer is to your prayers, then we can begin by recognizing how he's already answering prayers we didn't even know we needed to pray. And by looking for his hand in the order of our lives, looking at what is going on around us and recognizing that the very circumstances of our life right now are God's answer to prayer. So God answers his prayer by his word, He answers his prayer by his sovereign will and action, and God answers prayer by his people. There's a third way, and it's through the church. It's through his people. And again, I mean this in two different senses. The first sense is that God answers prayer by the words and actions of others who speak into your life. Acts 21, 3 to 4 says, When we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed in Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. So as you're praying, you're seeking the will of God. You're seeking the wisdom of God. You're asking God for an answer. You may have a request before God, some direction that you're looking for. And you meet together with good Christian counsel, good Christian friends who know you, who are walking alongside you in your faith. And this friend, either directly or indirectly, speaks the wisdom of God into your life. They quote a verse, they tell a story, they share an experience that you know or that they know. It is both coming directly from God. And we just had a three-hour seminar about this yesterday, actually, equipping ourselves to be God's answer to prayer to others <laughs> with humble biblical counsel. But as you're seeking the answer to prayer in your Christian life, you need to be looking to the wisdom of the people around you. The church is God's idea. He's adopted you into a family. He's put you in the midst of saints who are there to equip you and to protect you and to guard you. 
And so we need the wise counsel of other godly people in our lives to interact with them regularly in thoughtful and purposeful conversation in order that God has the opportunity to speak through them. If if you're praying for wisdom but closing your ears to all the godly counsel around you, it's hard for God to get the information to you. You know, you're not opening your words. You can't answer it that way because you're not reading the Bible. You're not looking for the things happening in your life. You're not looking for his will in your life and the actions going on around you, so he can't answer it that way. So then he's trying to answer it through the counsel of godly people in your life, and you're not listening to them because, you know, you don't want their opinion. You just want the answer from God. And it's kind of like the man sliding down the roof, you know. The answer's there. You just missed it. And you have to realize that the common means by which God answers prayer is in his word, is by his will, and the common way in which God will often answer your prayer is through his people. It's through the counsel of godly saints, especially when their counsel, when godly people speak into your life, and what they speak into their life aligns with the word of God and aligns with the will and the spirit of God, don't miss it, don't reject it. It is the answer to your prayer. The second way, so we mean it in that sense, and the second way in which God answers prayer through people is answering the need of your prayer that was presented. So first of all, God answers prayer through his people by the wisdom that they convey, the godly wisdom that they give to you, the advice that they give to you, the counsel they give to you. But secondly, your answer to prayer may come through God's people literally as the answer to your prayer. James 2, 15 to 16 says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled, in other words, I'll pray for you, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? <laughs> so J- James's argument is, is, you're supposed to be the answer to people's prayers. You're not just supposed to pray for them, you're supposed to be the answer to their prayer. If they are lacking something, be the thing that they are lacking. And so as God's people, we need to be sensitive to the fact that just as we are looking to God's people to be the answer to our prayer, they are looking to us to be the answer to their prayer. That we are expected to answer prayers of people who have put them forth to God to say, God, I'm looking for your grace. I'm looking for your mercy. I'm looking for you to supply in my poverty. The answer to that prayer holistically, like commonly, normally, the answer to that prayer, that I'm experiencing a poverty of something, I need an answer to this prayer, the answer is God's people will be that answer. You will be that answer to somebody's prayer. I don't know what answer to prayer you will be this week, but this week you very well might be the answer to somebody's prayer. And that kind of changes your perspective on your week, doesn't it? When you think, I need to be alert to the fact That God has told me that being a saint, being a disciple, being part of the family of God is that I'm going to be the answer to somebody's prayer. And I need to be alert to that. Somebody comes to me with a need, it may be wisdom, or it may be advice, or it may be counsel, or it may be literally shoveling out their driveway, or a meal, or a ride into a doctor's appointment, or a picking up their son in jail, or who knows what it might be that you have to do, but you are an answer to somebody's desperate prayer. Using your talents or your time to get chores done, to get water pipes fixed. That could be this week, actually. (laughs) Windows repaired, babies sat, whatever it is. Taking a fatherless son or a motherless daughter under your wing for guidance. Being that answer to prayer to a single parent that's crying out for help for their children. Just being a listening ear on a Sunday morning when the tears come in the seat next to you. People are crying out to God for an answer to prayer. And God expects his people to be that answer. God answers 
prayers through his people. So we need to look for God's answer to our prayer in the body of believers around us and not miss it when it's offered. And we need to, on the other side of the equation, look to how we are the answer to someone's prayer in the body of Christ. You may very well be the answer to somebody's prayer this week if you are alert to it and you are seeking it and you are sensitive to God's spirit. Which brings us to the fourth way in which God answers prayer. It is by his spirit. Hmm, I'm missing a verse. That's okay, I'll just read it. John 1, 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's a fantastic promise right in the middle of Jesus' kind of pastoral prayer to his disciples. <laughs> he says this final prayer when he's, he's going to the Father, he's explaining it to the disciples, and he's praying for them, and he says, you know, when I go... Another's going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to be your helper. And I love this line, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So when we're praying and we're asking God for an answer, we have to recognize that he has literally given us his spirit. He's not left us alone. When we pray, quite often when we're praying those desperate prayers, we feel like we're alone. We feel like God isn't listening. We feel like we're orphans. We feel like we're, it's us against the world, or it's us against our sin, or it's us against a sinner, or it's us against our enemies, or it's us against whatever. But Jesus says here, I'm not going to leave you alone. You have a helper. He's the spirit of truth, and you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you, and you're not alone. And the amazing thing about that spirit is 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul tells us, What no eye has seen nor heard nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. But these things God has revealed to us through the spirit, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him. And so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And that's the spirit we have. I mean, it's just incredible, this, this reality that as believers, that God has given us his Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit. Paul says here that the Holy Spirit knows God the way our spirits know us. Who really knows me except me? You don't know me the way I know me. I know my innermost thoughts. I know my innermost desires. I know all of my secrets. And Paul says that's what the Holy Spirit is to God. The Holy Spirit knows God, knows his nature, is God, knows all of God's secrets, all of God's mysteries, and you have God's spirit so that you can know the secret mysteries of the will of God. That's mind-blowing. Paul tells the church confidently, live by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit, be led by the spirit, all of Galatians 5. Our God is a God who speaks, and God isn't hiding his answers usually. There are lots of prayers that you already know the answer to by his spirit. I'll give you an example right now. If, if I'm up here right now and I just say, I just catch you off guard, and I say, just think right now in your mind the name of a person that you need to forgive. You already thought of the name. Right? So you don't need to ask God, you know, God, show me who I need to forgive. I need an answer to this prayer. You already know the answer to that prayer. His spirit has already convicted you of what the answer to that prayer is. Right? If I say to you, you know, um, you know, God, you know, tell me that thing. Tell me that habit. Tell me that thing that is a distraction that I just need to get out of my life in order to make more room for you. You already just thought of it. You already know what it is. So God already answered that prayer. 
You see, God's Holy Spirit is at work in Christians, constantly letting us know the will and the mind of God for us in our life. And so he's not hiding the most important prayers from us. He's not keeping it a secret. You want to know how to be holy, just ask him. He'll tell you. In like less than a second, he will tell you what you need to be doing. God is not up there trying to keep it a secret of how we should live as disciples or what would be healthy and holy and happy and joyful and glorifying to him. That's not something God wants to keep a secret from us and doesn't keep a secret from us. And so when you pray, just let the Holy Spirit convict you. Let him search your heart and your mind and give you that answer. In order to hear God's Spirit with confidence, it does take some time and practice so that we can distinguish his voice from our own because our minds are not perfectly conformed to Christ as they should be. So sometimes our internal answers come from our flesh, not the spirit. But I can assure you that God is not trying to hold what is good back from you. He will answer by his spirit. The test of these answers, especially as you're learning to walk, talk to God in this way, is that the answers you receive are confirmed by his word, because the spirit never contradicts the word of God. It will align with his will, considering the events surrounding the situation. You should be able to see where God is confirming how you should participate in those things, and it won't contradict his people. His people, if you have godly counsel around you, it will confirm the events, it will confirm the spirit, it will confirm the word. And when all of those things line up, you have confirmation of God's answer. And as you receive these answers and confirm them from the Lord more frequently, and your mind is more and more conformed to the Spirit than to the world, then one thing that is noticeable is the sense of peace that comes with the Spirit's answer. There may be lots of other emotions, perhaps fear or sadness or grief or, you know, maybe even frustration and a little bit of anger about what God's answer is. But as you get in tune with God's will and you hear God's answer by his spirit, I can tell you what you will get is a sense of peace. It'll be like, yep, that's it. That's the answer. I may not be happy with it, but that's the answer. You know, out of all the answers that could be, that's the one where peace dwells. I'm at peace with that answer. Because the spirit is a spirit of peace, not fear. And so maybe uncomfortable answer may not be the answer you were looking for, may mean some different changes in your life, but you're at peace because you know that that answer is from God. God answers commonly by his spirit. But even when God speaks quickly and we can confirm with his word and people what his answer is, we do often obey slowly. So I'll just close with these last two thoughts. Those are four ways in which God answers. He answers by his word most commonly. um, Sorry, these are the common means of God's grace in answering our prayers. By his word, by his people, um, by his spirit. There was another one. By his sovereign will. Yes, thank you. See, the cold is kicking in. (laughs) It's either the cold or the Tylenol, one or the other. He answers by his word, by his sovereign action in your life, by his people, and by his spirit. But even when he answers in all those ways, we are often slow to obey. So just in closing quickly, these last two go hand in hand. We need to accept and act on God's answer. If we're going to be biblical disciples who are praying biblically and then we're listening biblically, we need to be disciples who are acting biblically on the answers to those prayers. We don't want to be a Jonah who had crystal clear knowledge of what God wanted him to do but did not accept God's answer twice. God shipwrecked Jonah and got him swallowed by a fish to put him back on track. 
And so if you are praying for God's will and he makes his will evident to you, even if it's something that maybe you don't want to do, like Jonah, I would suggest that you act on what God has done for you. I don't know if you'll get shipwrecked or get swallowed by a big fish, but God will inevitably bring holiness and sanctification into your life, and he will eventually get you on his page, uh, regardless what it takes. And even after preaching repentance to Nineveh, Jonah Jonah got angry because God's answered their prayers too. I mean, Jonah was just not the best example of responding to answered prayer. He's a good example of what not to do. Instead of being a Jonah, be a David. You know, be a David who is as sinful as he was, as wayward as he was, as broken as he was by his sin, was a man after God's own heart who was able to accept God's answer and worship God even when the answer was a most tragic no. And the example I'm speaking of here is God told David that his infant son was going to die and David prostrated himself before God in prayer and mourned for days in sackcloth and ashes and yet at the end of all of David's fervent, faithful prayer to the God that he loved, his son did die. God's answer was clear. I'm not going to heal your son. I am going to take him. But David accepted the answer of God. And his household staff, it's recorded in the scripture, are amazed because when his son died, David dressed again in his good clothes, and he shaved, and he bathed, and he worshiped God in the temple. And he said to his servants, why should I fast now? Someday I will go and see my son, but he will not come back to me. 2 Samuel 12. So don't be a Jonah, (laughs) you know, who resists God's prayer at every turn, even though it was a good prayer to go and, like, redeem and save a whole city. Rather, we need to be like David, who even when the answer is no, worships God and accepts his answer because God has a plan. And what God wills in our life is for our good and his glory, even if it doesn't seem like it at the time. And we need to act on the answer. Our role in answered prayer is obedience. It's to act according to the answer after we accept it. Um, There's a number of examples you could use from Scripture here. One of the ones that I like to turn to is Ruth. I mean, Ruth, and it connects to the first answer of prayer, which is in God's Word. Here's here's Ruth um, with her mother-in-law returning back to Bethlehem, and they have no inheritance, they have no land, they have no standing, they they are widowed women in the world. And you can imagine their prayer, like, God, what do we do now? <laughs> What's the answer to your prayer here, Lord? We've, we've come back. We've returned to your land. Ruth is a Moabite, and she said, God, you're going to be my God until my grave. And so you can imagine her prayer. But the answer was in God's word, and, and Ruth saw the answer in God's word because in God's instruction, he said that godly people are going to leave the gleanings in the field for the sojourners and the foreigners to be able to glean and have supply. And so Ruth, instead of laying in bed and saying, you know, God, I need breakfast, answer my prayer, and waiting for, you know, God's Uber driver to show up at the door, she looked in God's word and said, wow, God, you've answered prayer. There's breakfast out there in the edge of the field for me. I just need to go get it. So she needed something from God. God answered that prayer, had already answered it in his word. She saw it in his word. She knew the law of God, and she knew that God's people, Boaz, was an answer to prayer because he was one of God's people, and he followed the word of God. And so So the people of God were the answer as well. And so Ruth had to act on the answer. Sometimes we're praying for God to answer our prayer, and he's answering it, and we're not acting on it. It's right there for us. We need to be like Ruth and actually act on the answer when we see it in the word. 
And when we see it in God's people, we need to be like Ruth. We need to be like Paul. Paul was led by the Spirit. He followed the instruction of the Spirit, except once, that one that I read. He actually went to Jerusalem, even though they told him not to go. He went anyway and didn't work out so great for Paul because he did that, but that's okay. Even Paul doesn't always listen and answer to prayer exactly as he should. David repented and confronted his sin. In all these cases, we can look in the Bible and see that God's people act on the answer to prayer. And part of understanding that is God is most often interested in making us a godly people than intervening for our satisfaction. So if we don't accept and act on God's answer, remember that even Jesus learned obedience through suffering. The answer we seek may not be coming until after we learn obedience that God is teaching. So when you pray, look to God for an answer in his word. See the answers that are already at work by his sovereign will. Listen to his people whom, through whom he may be speaking. Hear the clear answer of his spirit as it brings peace and, and confirmation to your spirit. And then act, accept, and act on the answer to prayer. That is how you pray biblically. It's how you listen biblically. It's how you act biblically as disciples. We want to be a people that are always aware that God is at action in our, at acting in our lives and in the lives of others around us, and that we may be an answer to prayer to others, that we can have our spiritual sensitivity tuned up to see what God is answering in our prayers every day and the answers that he has in our needs right now every hour. And we can rejoice in worshiping a God who is a God who is not silent. He is a God who is answering, 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 answering day in and day out in the lives of the people that he loves. We just have to be able to listen and hear and see those answers. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that even as uh, it comes out of me a little, a little distorted and distracted today, that you are turning it into wine and into things that people need to hear this morning. And so I trust your Holy Spirit that your word goes out and never returns void. And that we do just make that simple commitment, Lord, to be listening biblically as disciples. We want to pray biblically. We want to listen biblically. We want to look to the common means of your grace, Lord, the common means by which you seek to answer our prayers in your word, by your sovereign will, by your people, and by your spirit. And then, Father, that we would then accept and act on your answers, especially as we accept and act on the reality that we are the answer to other people's prayers that it's through your people that you intend to redeem the lives and restore and teach and instruct and build up and equip and provide. All of, those, all of those prayer answers that come with those words all come through your word and your people and your spirit. And so, Father, I just pray that we would be a people that prays biblically, listens biblically, and acts biblically as we pray. In Christ's name, amen.